The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of... Yeah, it's that bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw and Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1991's The Last Boy Scout, directed by Tony Scott, starring Bruce Willis, Damon Waynes, Chelsea Field, Noble Willingham, Taylor Negron, Daniel Hatton. Harris and Halle Berry. The Last Boy Scout is a 1991 action film. This film currently holds a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Joe Hallenbach is a burned out detective. Jimmy Dix is an ex-LA Stallions player. Hallenbach was hired to protect a stripper named Corey. Dix is Corey's boyfriend. When Corey is executed during a drive-by shooting, both Hallenbach and Dix try to get to the bottom of the case. Wow, that's pretty much it, right? That's one of the worst <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. It's a good one, right? <laughs> Did you write that? <laughs> no. Th- that sounds like it was written in crayon. <laughs> okay, The Last Boy Scout. Tonight's movie was sponsored by Jack. Jack writes in and says, love the show and I'm glad the sponsoring thing is working out. I would like for you guys to do 1991's The Last Boy Scout. Should have been great with Tony Scott directing, Joel Silver producing, Shane Black wrote the script and was paid $1.75 million for it. Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans, and even Halle Berry as a stripper. But something went horribly wrong. Have fun! Okay, Kevin, The Last Boy Scout, what's your history with this? I've never seen this movie before. The only thing I know of with this movie is I remember seeing a clip of a football player shooting other football players <laughs> on the field. That's it. And I had no idea what that had to do with Boy Scouts. I don't even know if I know anyone I've ever heard even talk about this movie. Well, uh, I'm on the other side of the spectrum, kind of. I've never seen this movie before, but when I was younger, I had a friend who wouldn't shut up about this movie. Him and his brother, they love this. Even though I had never seen it, they were always talking about this movie and Blind Fury. You know what that is? No. <laughs> Like those two movies, they would reference all the time The Last Boy Scout and Blind Fury. So that's the only reason I know that this exists. Like, I remember. You're not friends with them anymore, are you? No, I haven't seen them in a long time. I'm not surprised. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Bruce Willis making his triumphant return. Not since his triumphant rise in The Expendables did we get such an amazing Bruce Willis performance. He was in The Expendables? <laughs> wow, I'm really glad you paid attention. Oh, okay. yeah, he was, he was in <laughs> Mr. That one Church. That's right. He was just mailing this in. Oh, yeah. Phoning it in. I mean, I really like Bruce Willis. And even in this movie, I liked him. But he gets an F for effort here. He was trying to be a really cool, cocky, aloof guy. But what that translated to is just him, like, whispering and muttering. Yeah. Being super low-key, not putting any effort or intonation into his lines. Mm -hmm. Not impressed? Unimpressed. Yeah. You prefer the kid era Bruce Willis more than this, right? Cop out, Bruce Willis. No, I prefer Die hard Bruce Willis. You know, this is around that time. It's not that far from Die Hard, but... I think he was playing the same character pretty much from Die Hard. Yeah. Like the archetype is the same thing. Yeah, I would agree. But at the same time, it's almost like almost like he's sick of playing that character. Oh, yeah. That, that's a really good point. He just didn't even bother. He yeah, didn't even try. Didn't care. <laughs> Pin me, pay me. Okay, next... I can respect that. <laughs> yeah, so can I. At this point in my life, yeah, I can, so can I. Okay, next up, Damon Wayne's. I was expecting him to be funny. Oh, we love the Waynes Brothers, right? Do you like the Waynes Brothers? Not in movies. I love the Waynes Brothers. The TV show, The Waynes Brothers, I tremendous. Never, I never watched it. That was a tour de force, a true gem of the human race. Scary Movie, on the other hand, I don't know. Uh, you know Scary Movie 5 is coming out this year? Really? And Marlon Waynes is making his own scary movie-like movie called A Haunted House? Yeah. My cup runneth over. I believe that movie has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Cannot wait. White chicks, the Waynes brothers, they can do no wrong in my eyes. Damon Waynes, he was from A Living Color, right? Yeah. Tremendous show. I never watched that either. What were you doing in the 90s? That was when this was going on, right? I was playing sports outside. You suck. Get out of (laughs) here. You should have been watching TV. I was playing Nintendo all day. Yeah, not reading all 40 <laughs> Wizard of Oz books. 
I hated I was, David Wayans in this. He was bad. <laughs> Very bad. I was going to be a little more genteel with my critique, but he wasn't good. And I say this as a guy who likes the Wayans brothers. I like them. All of them. Every one of them. <laughs> I like the Wayans brothers. But he was awful in this. He annoyed me. Wayans and Willis had zero chemistry. Zero. And I know when normally we reserve that talk for men and women yes. and romantic comedies. But this was a buddy cop movie, yeah, right? Which is like a romantic comedy. It is in many ways. And they had no chemistry. They didn't even seem to like each other. I was really disappointed. I expected more. Oh, for sure. More. And I bet you the makers of this movie did as well. Oh, yeah. This was going to be a franchise is my guess, right? They oh. thought they they had two of the It stars at the, at the time. Let's keep this going forever. The last Boy Scout, the penultimate Boy Scout, the second to last Boy Scout. <laughs> and you just keep going with it, right? Yeah, sure. You're absolutely right. Bruce Willis was hot off the heels of Die Hard, probably Die Hard 2. I don't remember, I don't know what year that came out. In Living Color was on the air at this point. Yeah. Damon Wayans was running wild, lighting up our lives with laughter. Get these two together. Shane Black had just written Lethal Weapon, which is a monster hit. A monster buddy cop hit. Absolutely. Joel Silver was fated to produce The Matrix in eight years. <laughs> so they knew this was going to be a hit back then. Yeah, it should have been. What happened? They had all the ingredients, but when the product came out of the oven... <laughs> <laughs> like that one time I made corn, but it was a brown, <laughs> black mass of crap. <laughs> I guess you can't win them all, right? That's that's a good review for this movie. Burnt cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> wow. These other people, I don't even want to talk about. There's not even any point in talking about anybody. However, Halle Berry's in here, and I didn't even know that was her until the credits. Really? I didn't recognize it because her hair was so short. I rec- I knew she was in it, so I was looking for her. So when I saw her, I recognized her. But it was a blink-and-you-miss-her role. Oh, yeah. I did not recognize her at all. Triumph in Return, Catwoman, blah, 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 whatever. She was really young here. Oh, yeah. I, I remember thinking when she came on screen, I was like, man, this girl's really attractive. That's it. I wasn't like, hey, is that, is that Harry Berry? Is that Catwoman? <laughs> How do you think she did? She had on her Catwoman outfit at one point. <laughs> yeah, she did, actually. <laughs> it wasn't too far removed. She was okay for the couple of minutes she was on screen? She stank. She's alright. Stank. Uh, could see a glimmer of talent. Yeah, 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 yeah. She would rise to power in Catwoman soon. This is an Oscar winner we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, Gothica. <laughs> Okay, and finally, somebody that I really want to talk about. Danielle Harris, the little girl. She was one of the most annoying characters I've ever seen on screen. Um, bar none. I mean, I guess it was her point. So maybe she played it? Well, uh, she was so obnoxious and annoying, though. If I had a gun, I would fire it into the TV. <laughs> Every time that she was on there. We saw a picture of her today, all grown up version of Daniel Harris. Shocking stuff. Shocking. She's uh, quite a looker. Yeah, not bad. Pretty not sweet. Bad. Well done, bro. To her dad. I was like, <laughs> nice jeans, bro. Pat <laughs> him on the back. <laughs> so that's it. That's pretty much it. The last Boy Scout. I was not impressed by anybody. No one. Yeah, no one. No one did a good job in this at all. Underwhelming. I did laugh. I'll give him that. I laughed. Did you laugh? Uh, there might have been a few laughs. A chuckle here and there. Yeah, yeah. A little chortle. Maybe yeah, a, yeah. perhaps like a fall. I don't know. That's a bit much. But they did make me laugh. I'll give them that. Uh-huh. But they didn't try anywhere else. You know, you'd expect with Damon Wayans that there would have been more attempts to make you laugh, but they were few and far between. It didn't play to his strengths. No. Okay, that's pretty much it. Let's get into the brief history of The Last Boy Scout. With this film, Shane Black became the first writer to sell a script for $1 million. According to Time Magazine, he was originally offered $2.25 million by Carlco pictures, but decided to go with Warner Brothers for the lower bid of $1.75 million so that he could work with Joel Silver, who had also produced his script for Lethal Weapon. In the original script, the entire third act was set on water. Also, Hallenbach's grudge with Senator Baynard was completely different from this movie. In the script, Hallenbach was working security for the Baynard family when Louis Hallenbach refuses to cover for the president's son. They plant half a kilo of crack cocaine in his house. Louis Baynard was also a villain in the script, and in the end, both he and his father die. Composer Michael Kamen hated the film when he first saw it. The only reason he provided the score was out of his personal friendships with Bruce Willis and producer Joel Silver. In a New Yorker profile, producer Joel Silver said that the making of this film was one of the three worst experiences of my life. The F word is used. How many times in this movie, Kevin? Four trillion. <laughs> That's pretty close, actually. <laughs> 
102 times. And finally, this movie was nominated for an MTV Movie Award for Woo-hoo! Best Action Sequence and Best On-Screen Duo. Wow, really? Yes, this movie opens up with the theme song to Friday Night Football. You didn't even know there was Friday Night Football, did you, Joel? No. <laughs> I know there's football on Monday and yeah. Sunday sometimes. Saturdays this time of year. Okay. And Thursdays too. Great. So yeah, this is it's a complete mockery of the Monday Night Football opening song that they used to play. I don't even know if they play it anymore. I don't watch football, so. But um, that was the whole opening credits. It was a terribly annoying song. <laughs> Singing all about how great Friday Night Football is. Yeah. You know, Kevin, you and I comprise the two most controversial figures in the Yes That Bad sphere when it comes to opinions on sports. Oh, yes? I more so than you, but you, completely anti-American with your love of soccer. (laughs) Okay. Football. Sure. You can't get enough of it. Yeah. You shun all other sports. Well, that's not true, but... (laughs) And me, I'm on the complete other end of the spectrum and I don't like any sports, period. I just don't care. So I'm sitting here watching this... We, we both specifically hate football. I hate American football. football. I can't stand it. Right? I can't think of anything more boring. The only thing more boring to me would be like watching baseball. That's the worst. <laughs> At least they're doing stuff the whole, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Football sucks. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get people's obsession with it. Unpopular opinion alert. <laughs> I hate football and I don't understand why people love it so much. Wait a minute. You're telling me you don't like to sit down for four hours and watch five minutes of action? Oh. Wow, what a shock, <laughs> right? What a shock. I hate football. We're not the target audience for this movie. No, while this intro was going on, not knowing anything about this movie, I'm like, is this going to be a football <laughs> movie like any given Sunday or something? Like, no. You know where I like my football? In Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> and that's about Einhorn. it. <laughs> Einhorn is Finkel. Lace is out, man. This did spark some memories. In the background, I saw a logo for an apparel company that I haven't seen since I was a wee lad. Kevin, did you own a starter jacket? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Who didn't own we a starter all had jacket? starter jackets. I didn't care at all about sports, but I still had a Chicago Bulls <laughs> starter jacket. And it was awesome. We all had them. What'd you have? I had the Orlando Magic starter jacket, <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah. What happened to them? Did they still make clothes? That's a really good question. I don't know. So uh, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, watching this football montage, it's like, I'm almost 30 years old, right? Mm-hmm. I think the ship has sailed for me when it comes to whether or not I'm going to start watching football. Yeah, probably. You got to get it on the ground floor on that, right? When you're a kid or in college or something. Yeah, I would. I or would for gambling assume. purposes or fantasy football. Yeah. The ship sailed, right? It's too late for me. Where are you going to find the time? By the way, full disclosure. I have gone to an NFL game. So have I. I've been to a few of them. But So we're not coming from left field here, you know? Yeah, it's just not my cup of tea. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself <laughs> while this football montage is going, like, what could they do to make things more exciting for me? Hmm. And I, I thought of three things that they could do to spice up football for this man. Let's fix the NFL right now. We're the men to do it, right? Absolutely. We, let's tap into Yes at Bad's vast resources mm-hmm. and put some money into the game. You know, football is a penny-ante game. They're not making any money <laughs> we need to infuse some cash some capital into it absolutely to make it a success yep no one's watching it like they say in this movie no one's watching football anymore <laughs> no one's watching football <laughs> which that really dated the movie right yeah like, yeah there's no way that's today all right these are my three things to fix football a turn it to mutant league football you can bribe the uh, referees and everything remember that oh yeah that makes it much better b you bring back the xfl this man <laughs> that guy knew what he was doing he hate me absolutely <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And three, the best option, you give them guns so they can shoot each other. <laughs> and I really did think this. I'm not ma- I'm not joking, Kevin. Like that. I actually was in my mind, like joking around in my head, like, wouldn't it be funny if they had guns? <laughs> and then what happens? Well, we join mid-game of an actual football game that's being played. Apparently, they use the same midnight board meeting <laughs> methodology that we use here at Yes at Battle Headquarters because this game was clearly being played in the middle of the night. Midnight. It was pitch black on the football field as if there was no lights. I found that so weird. 
When I was watching, I was like, why is it so dark? People don't play sports in darkness. They play it with lights on, like very blindingly bright lights. It was really dark. You're right. It was so weird. I know it was, it was raining. Even high school games are more illuminated. Pickup games at the local <laughs> park are more illuminated than this one. I couldn't believe how dark it was. I was like, wow, this is a really weird stylistic choice to go with. So just football player. He's in at halftime. He gets a weird phone call. Someone named Milo telling him he's got to score more touchdowns. He's being bribed. Score more touchdowns or else. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he pops some pills. Pill popper. Supreme. I missed the 80s, right? Everyone's doing something. 1991 was the 80s? <laughs> sure, all right. <laughs> and he goes back on the field. He's got crazy eyes, right? He looks insane. He's in the game. It's a very end of the game. We hear the announcer say, this is it. They don't score here. This game's over. This crazy eye guy gets the football. He's running up the field. The defense is about to tackle him, but he pulls a fast one on him. He hits turbo, juke, and stiff arm all at the same time. Whoa. Pulls out a gun and starts putting some caps in people. He opens fire at the football <laughs> field. I laughed so loudly when I saw this. It's such a ludicrous visual. Yep. Like it, it, My TV screen shattered heard from the shockwave from my laughter. Unbelievable. I really couldn't believe it. I was like, what's happening here? Like, is this real? Like, visually speaking, it, it's interesting to see, right? Like, it's something that, i never seen that before. Someone running around shooting, like, a player, shooting other players. Yeah. It makes the malice in the palace look like a joke. <laughs> Absolutely. He shoots the people in the opposing team, and he scores a touchdown, I guess. As if that's gonna be legal. As if the game won't just be called and start over or whatever. Are we sure there's a penalty for shooting other players? <laughs> I don't know that that's specifically laid out in the NFL rulebook. Well, P- Plexico Burris shot himself in the ass, right? And he got... That was off the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. On-field violence is okay in the NFL. Oh, you're right, you're right. You can rape and pillage each other on the field, but... Absolutely. So yeah, and then he gets arrested. He T-bows. He got that on one knee. Yeah. And then... And he blows his brains out. Life's a bitch. And then you die. <laughs> so looking for a piece of that apple pie. And he blows his head off. All right, so I'm going to stop us right here. I know what you're going to say. What does this have to do... With the rest of the movie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because when we got like to the end of this movie, I had forgotten that this had happened, right? Because like my eyes like accidentally shifted to the top of the page where I wrote down OMG LOL. He has a gun. I'm like, wait a minute. I forgot about that. What did that have to do with anything? It's nothing to do with anything. I have no idea. I have no idea. It's like it came out of another movie, right? Or a YouTube short or something. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's baffling. I've never encountered this in a movie before. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like how in a Simpsons episode, the first five minutes has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And then they just splinter off into something completely different. <laughs> yeah. Like every episode's like that. It's like this. We're introduced to some of the characters, like the team owner. We see him at the football game. Yep. And he's a character later in the movie. And we hear this Milo guy on the phone threatening the player to score more touchdowns. We meet him later. None of this has anything to do with the storyline. Was this left over from him? his original from, from the original <laughs> script the two million dollar version of the script yeah because it doesn't fit in with the rest of the story it's the best part of the movie i loved it it's awesome right it, it probably it's, it's is pretty the, cool it probably is the best part of the movie unfortunately it's like, what kind of movie am i watching here like where are they gonna go from here this is never mentioned again by the way it this happened in real life this would be national news for months yeah they would not shut up about this a murder at the super bowl <laughs> so we cut from this and we are introduced to our good buddy bruce willis always happy to have him. He's a drunken buffoon sleeping in a car. These little rascals, rapscallions, street urchins, they come by. They're poking with sticks. They throw a dead squirrel on them and, you know, typical drunken bum buffoon. When I was watching this Bruce Willis character walking around, like he's wearing like a a tank top and he's all scruffy and shooting off one-liners every five seconds. I was thinking to myself, this is like the prototypical 90s hero. This kind of guy was a dime a dozen back then. What happened to him? What happened to that kind of guy? We don't see him anymore. So Bruce Willis his friend gives him a call. He's like, hey, I got this job for you if you're interested. It's protecting this girl. She feels like her life's threatened or something. She's super hot. She ranks a three on my finger scale. So right off the bat, this movie has a lot of snappy dialogue, a lot of Mm one-liners. The Shane Black guy knows how to write them because he would later go off to make Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. You seen that? Yeah, it's a really good movie. Yeah, it's another Joel Silver movie. Gets a great movie with a lot of funny one-liners. So this guy, he's the king of the one-liners. He can actually make funny one-liners. Because that's what I laughed at in this movie. Some of the one-liners are really funny in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the bit when he finds the dead squirrel later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I think I had six in the squirrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. The writing is really good in this movie. I'll give him that. Like the dialogue, like the jokes are are good. I like them. Yeah, I just don't think that he had a proper delivery system, and Bruce Willis was phoning this in. And I'm not. I'm not really sure that he was up to the task. You need a Matthew Perry, a Chandler. <laughs> That guy was an empty vessel. He was a delivery system for jokes. That's all he was there for. I'm going to say you need who he had in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. I mean, oh man, he's perfect for that. And he was in that movie. Pretty good. Pretty good. If you got a movie with full of one-liners, who's your number one choice to give those one-liners? Arnold Schwarzenegger. You saw <laughs> Batman and Robin. Chill out. Freeze. And you're not taking me to the cooler. You won this round. <laughs> Thank you. So Bruce Willis, he says he's going to take this job, but he's going to go home first. going to see his wife. He's going to shower. He's going to clean up a bit. See his family. He comes home and he sees his wife. He thinks something's a little amiss. Something's up. Something's <laughs> off. I mean, he's, he's a smart guy. He's a detective. He knows what he's doing. He's like, there's got a guy in the closet, don't you? So he's going to put a bullet through the closet door. He does a little countdown thing, but that closet door swings open at the last minute to reveal the same friend that set him up with the job just three seconds earlier? His best friend. Yeah. Banging his wife. So Bruce Willis takes him outside. He punches him in the nuts. Gives him a nice <laughs> hug. <laughs> Farewell. Yeah. And the guy gets in his car and the car blows up. Yeah, the plot thickens. That's where the mystery begins, right? Yeah. He mu- this must have been a really big caper, a really big case for murder to be involved in it, right? Yeah. That's what I was assuming was going on. Not just murder, but explosions. I mean, yeah, but you gotta have some intelligence to set some explosives like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we meet Damon Waynes. He's a pill-popping ex-football player. He's got the number 13 tattooed on his back. Maybe if it was the number 23, he'd be a little bit more Wait, wait, wait. Exciting. Was that tattooed? Yeah. I thought that was his hair. I thought his hair was completely shaved and cut in that little section into the 13. Either way, it's stupid. Agreed. I thought it was hair. You know, Kevin, last night, I was out to dinner with my girlfriend, and there was a little kid there, and on the back of his head, he had the New York Giants logo shaved into the back of his head. What say you? So the kid's probably pretty bummed that it's New York Giants. Johnson make the playoffs this year. And he's got that shaved into his head. The mark of a loser. Yeah, that's what he did. He marked himself a loser. <laughs> For life. <laughs> For my, my hair won't grow back in the spot. It just won't grow back. <laughs> All right, so Damon Waynes, he was at a rowdy party the night before. He leaves and there's this one guy there who's one of the football players. He's one of those guys. I've seen this guy like a billion times before. He always plays the same kind of roles, like brash, annoying guys. Do you recognize him? Uh, yeah, I recognize his face. I have yeah, no, no idea, idea where I've seen him before. But I recognize this dude. What was he doing, Kevin? He was... He's in a hot He's jacuzzi. committing at least 15 crimes at once. Yeah, he's in a hot tub time machine. He, he's got this girl in the hot tub with him, and he's drowning her until she will form oral sex on him. Yet another oral sex, yes, that bad feature film. So Damon Wayans is like, let the girl up, you're gonna kill her. And this guy's like, like seriously, he's gonna kill her. The triumphant return of rape to another yes, that bad feature <laughs> film. <laughs> so Damon Wayans, he, he takes a football and he throws it right at this guy's face and basically like breaks his nose. Yeah, his whole skull explodes, just shatters. He must have thrown the football 400 miles an hour for yeah. it to have that effect. Yeah, it was only like 10 feet away. <laughs> so luckily the girl escapes certain rape and death. And the guy really calls out Damon Williams. He's like, you're not even a football player Get anymore. Get out of here. What are you doing here? <laughs> Whatever. So that sets up the drama of this guy's life, right? Yeah, he's an ex-football player. He's out of the league. We don't know why yet. By the way, do you buy Damon Wayans, football player? No. Not at all? Is he big enough? That other guy was. That guy was huge. He was. I mean, he's supposed to be a quarterback, so you don't necessarily need to be big, but he had a hit negative muscle definition mm. when we saw him later. That's yeah, true. It's true. I mean, maybe that's years of self-abuse and, and drugs after he was kicked out of the league, but I was no Manning. <laughs> He's no Brett Favre either. He's not even a Mark Sanchez. He's not even, he hate me. Fast forward to Bruce Willis. He's taking the job of protecting this stripper. He's there at the strip club talking to Halle Berry. They're all there hanging out. Damon Waynes confronts Bruce Willis. The best line of the movie is here. It made me laugh out loud and laugh and laugh and laugh. He's like, what are you supposed to be a detective? You couldn't even protect a warm cup of piss. <laughs> 
Kevin, as you know, we have a powerful pro-piss policy here. Yes, at Bad World Headquarters. <laughs> Absolutely. We're drinking piss left and right. Yeah, so this is setting it up. Hey, maybe a little, little chemistry here, a little back and forth between these two guys. This could work out. Sure, a nice little buddy cop, a little Turner and Hooch. So Damon Wayans, he's calling out Bruce Willis. He's like, what are you doing? What are you protecting my girl for? I can protect her. I'm the man now. Dog. So Damon Wayans, he grabs her. He's like, let's get out of here. He takes her somewhere. Somewhere nebulous. <laughs> I don't know. Where they I thought he took her home. Did it look like they were like on a couch somewhere? Like at home? They were in the same blue zone from Tony Scott's other movie, Top Gun. Oh my God. <laughs> Shocking revelations here <laughs> tonight. Yes, I'm at headquarters. Yeah, this whole scene with them had a blue tint to it. Extreme blue tint. It was just crazy. like Top Gun. Yeah, just like Top Gun. Oh, this Tony Scott, he loves his blue. So, okay, this is as good a time as any to bring this up to. This scene, as well as it being blue tinted, and then every other scene, was it just weird? Did it look like they were all acting and playing around in a giant fart cloud? <laughs> Every scene looked like it was in a fart cloud. Like they had smoke machines going. The colors were real dull. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was, was smoking it was too. Foggy everywhere. Yes, I agree. Was, you're right. You're it right. Was terrible looking. Terrible looking movie. We would have been right at home though within that fart cloud. Oh yeah, absolutely. But they weren't ready for it. No, no. <laughs> It affected their performances, whereas we would have thrived in it. Yeah, I mean, it's no wonder they had bad performances. They couldn't even see the person they were acting with that was right across the room because it was so foggy in there. It was so strange. Well, it's at this point in the movie that Bruce Willis is outside of the strip club. He's drinking another warm cup of piss. And right next to the strip club is this enormous billboard of a senator. I I assumed it was a senator. And Bruce Willis has a flashback to why he became a drunken loser bum. Apparently, this senator was raping and beating up a woman. But Bruce Willis, he had a heart of gold. Even though he was in the Secret Service or whatever, he walked up, he punched the senator in the face, and he rescued the girl. Mm-hmm. He's a hero. Yeah, and he lost his job because of it. Yeah, went to zero. Another ex-law enforcement guy who's a loose cannon, wise-cracking hero with all the quips in a 90s action movie. I don't think I've ever seen this one. That's brand new, right? Yeah. Never it's heard groundbreaking. It. So these guys come out, and they're like, hey, hey, that guy over there, he was with... Whatever her name was. Stripper. Let's let's kill him. I don't understand what's happening here. Me neither. I had this problem a lot in this movie. There's probably like, I don't know, 20 minutes left till the movie's over. And I remember I wrote down like, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on in this movie? Like they stretch this mystery plot as far as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. People are constantly getting attacked and shot by goons yeah. that come out of nowhere. We as the audience have no clue why it's happening. I don't understand. And then when we finally find out what it is, it's stupid. Yeah, it is. But anyway. So these guys, they they grab Bruce Willis. They task one guy with killing him. So he's walking Bruce Willis down the the alley where he's going to shoot him. They sit him down and Bruce Willis, he fights off this guy with the only way he knows how, yo mama jokes. Oh yeah. Amateur night at the Apollo right here. He starts throwing out one-liners one after the other. Yeah. This gunman who's, I assume someone who's murdered people before, a hardened criminal. He can't help but laugh. He's laughing, laughing it up. Laugh. Oh, man. So he laughs so hard, he buckles over in pain and agony from stomach cramps, and Bruce Willis picks up a broken bottle and kills him. Great. Alright, so after Bruce Willis takes care of this goon, our friends Damon Waynes and Halle Berry, they're driving away in separate cars, and then, all of a sudden, there's an ambush. Yeah, this car it comes speeding out of nowhere, crashes into Halle Berry's car. When she gets out, they pull out a machine gun and they uh, they pump her full of lead. Yeah, they open fire. Then Bruce Willis shows up and they have a giant overblown slow motion gunfight. Alright, so Halle Berry's dead. Did you care? No. She was barely in the movie. I'm just like, alright, well, she's dead. Let's move on. Yeah, so now Bruce Willis and Damon Waynes, they're in it to win it, right? They're they're a team. They're they're a ragtag team here. Yeah. Can you be a ragtag team with two people? (laughs) Sure you can. So they go to do some detective work and they head to Halle Berry's apartment. It's been tossed already. There's stuff everywhere. Damon Wayans, he goes looking for some drugs that he left there. And he finds hidden there some pictures and a cassette tape. His pictures are of an NFL team owner and a senator. Yeah, and they go into Bruce Willis's car and they play the tape. And the, th- the tape gets eaten by the stereo player. It rips the tape apart. I was like, wow, I remember those days. <laughs> 
Yeah. Do you remember when that used to happen? Yeah, and I, all I could think is just put a pencil in there and turn it. Me too. And reel that tape back in. You'll be all right. You're good to go. Yeah. You think later generations are going to know that? That's what I was thinking when I was watching this. Like, little kids are going to be watching this scene. They're going to be like, what is that? You know, before this scene, somebody yells at Damon Wayne's something that kind of puzzled me. I, I didn't know what it meant. Kevin, you're a sports fanatic. I dare say a Philly fanatic. Don't even start me on that guy. He choked me once. In person? In person. I was <laughs> choked by the Philly fanatic. I don't even want to go there right now. <gasps> After dark. <laughs> Okay, anyway, he he screams at Damon Wayans, free agents are ruining this game. What the hell is he talking about? Sum that up as succinctly as possible. What does who, that mean? Who yelled it at him? A cop. Oh, I mean, I guess back at this point, free agency was new, maybe? I mean, it allows players to, to, to go out in the open market and get what they're worth so they can leave teams. Like cattle? What? <laughs> <laughs> you were saying? <laughs> So like a player used to be with a team pretty much their whole career. Like that was kind of standard back in the day. Then free agency happened and players could go play for other teams. Like my boy LeBron? Exactly. And get with their, you know, worth in the open market. When he openly shunned an entire city? Exactly. And burned every bridge? Yeah. That's what free agency gave us. Aren't you happy we have that? If we didn't have free agency, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have LeBron to hate. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I and guess so. Everyone loves to hate. <laughs> I know I do. That's what this podcast is structured on. <laughs> Thank you for that history lesson. This is not one of history's mysteries. Well, these two goons show up after they eat up that tape. And they're like, hey, give me the tape. Give me the envelope. Blah, 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 blah. Why are there goons everywhere? There are goons every five seconds in this movie. You know, I notice an interesting trend in this movie. How many times in, in this movie does a goon put a gun up to Bruce Willis's back? <laughs> While he's standing there like, don't move. They put a gun to his back. At least four million. It's like every scene. This is over and over and over. We see the same essential scene like six times in this movie. Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans get captured. They're surrounded by goons. They do some sort of distraction. Something blows up and then they get away. I haven't seen C4 used this effectively in a movie since The Expendables. Oh, yeah. The villains have C4 everywhere in this movie. <laughs> the, that- the whole country is wired with C4. They had Jason Statham run around Los Angeles. Planting C4 in cars and buildings. Suitcases. There's so much C4 in this movie. I was so happy. I wrote down C4 so many times in my notes. But anyway, yeah, so these goons show up, and Kevin, how do they get away from the goons? Well, how funny you should ask. Bruce Willis, he threw some C4 in the truck. <laughs> Which he had just happened to have lying around. And for some reason, the goons are like, open the trunk. He's like, no, open it yourself. And the guy takes a gun and shoots the trunk to open it, blowing up the C4. I didn't understand any of what was happening here. So the car explodes. Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans, they jump down this hill that was right there. The car is engulfed in flames. It's rolling after them. They have to run away from the car. It's all fun and games. Yeah, great. I just, I don't know. This was like the third scene scene in a row where we've seen C4 explode and I was getting a little sick It's a little repetitive. Yeah. So they go to Bruce Willis' house and we get to meet her beautiful daughter. She's an angry, angsty teen. Yeah, she's cursing like a sailor. Oh yeah. Left and right. She's got a puppet for some reason like a... The puppet she's talking with. I thought there was like something wrong with her at first because she's like talking with the puppet instead of actually talking to It's like the beaver with Mel Gibson. Yeah, just like it. Back when I was a kid, if I cursed at my parents, like I would get beaten to death. (laughs) I wouldn't be here today if that was the case. We're talking 1991, right? Like, yeah, we were kids this parents age. Parents still beat their kids in those days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not anymore. Those days are over. Uh, you'd be surprised. Kevin, perhaps someday when you have a kid of your own, you can beat them to death. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've never cursed in front of my family. Never. Ever. The repercussions would be severe if I did that. I, I would just, I'd feel wrong doing it. I don't know. It's inappropriate. I am PG rated around my family. No? You know, dropping F bombs 103 times and like I'm the last week? PG 13 rated around everyone else. <laughs> okay. You're rated R for your wife. So it's during this scene when they're at Bruce Willis's house that we get to see, like, back to back, we learn Bruce Willis's backstory and why he's so sad. and 
we learned Damon Wayne's backstory and why he's so sad. These scenes went on for so long. I got so bored. I did not care. And for me, this is the dividing line. After this point, this movie goes downhill sharply. Like, I was with it up to this point. I was laughing, I was moving, I was grooving, blah, blah, blah. But now, I just don't care anymore. This sucks. Yeah, I mean, we find out that Damon Wayans, he was on painkillers, and that led to harder drugs. and Pill popper. What was he? He was gambling, too, right? That was the final draw. He gambled, so he's kicked out of football. Yeah, it's Pete Rose. And then... For a guy who hates sports, I sure know a lot of these <laughs> stupid things. All right, anyway, after all this crap, Damon Wayans gets picked up by some goons. They toss him off a bridge, but it's not death height for some reason. <laughs> he survives. A lot of stuff happens. I don't really care. Bruce Willis, he gets cattle prodded and kidnapped. Yeah, I'm with you at this point. I'm just like, where is this going? I'm still wondering what in the world this has to do with the guy shooting people at the beginning. <laughs> We're never going to find out. Bruce Willis is finally introduced to like one of the major villains in the movie. And I actually like this scene because they do something that's like pretty meta and like self-referential. The villain is in the room with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis has his back turned to him and the villain goes, hey, uh, let's have a formal introduction here. to turn around. He's like, like, what's the point? Why even bother? Like, <laughs> you're the villain, right? All right, so yeah, Damon Wayans, he's camped out in front of the senator's house. I think that was the senator. Yep. By the way, do you recognize the senator? I've seen him a million times before. This is now the second time on this podcast that I've asked you if you've recognized this guy. He was Conrad Hilton. Oh, that's right. Men, that's right. And he was the villain in Richie Rich. Triumphant return of this guy. There you go. You nailed it. Um, so Damon Wayans, he's camped outside. Bruce Willis's daughter, she does some detective work of her own and tracks down Damon Wayans. She pops into his car, pulls a gun on him. She's like, hey, look, I have my dad's gun. We could use this. This part of the movie is really bad. Terrible. This is the worst. She is like, so annoying. And she becomes like the third member of the team. Yeah. This obnoxious little girl running around with them. Yep. That was a bad decision. Agreed. So, Senator's limo leaves. Damon Wayans, he goes to follow it. At the same time, we're with Bruce Willis. He finds out from the villain what the whole scheme is here. Yeah, this is better be worth it for all the explosions and the C4 and the murders and the dead strippers. This is better be worth something. They even killed a cop in this movie. Yeah. Well, it's not worth it. The story is, the senator is on the committee that is going to potentially legalize gambling nationwide. And football needs this because it's suffering. It's a wilting flower and it needs some water. And the gambling will be the water that brings it back to life. How poetic. So this senator, he's he's not buying into this football owner's bid. He's, he's, he wants a payoff in order to actually approve the gambling. The football owner's like, it's going to be easier to kill this guy. So he's going to kill the senator with some trusty C4. This plot sucks. And he's going to frame Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis hates him because this is the senator that got Bruce Willis fired. <laughs> Who cares? This plot sucks. It's really? very convenient that Bruce Willis was the security guard for the senator and then also ended up being the, the muscle, the protector for Halle Berry, who apparently was blackmailing the football owner because she found out about it and she was blackmailing him so that Damon Wayans would get back into football. This is like a web of crap. <laughs> wow. To sift through to understand what's happening here. Well, anyway, like, let's just fast forward to how this thing ends. So we had this long convoluted chase scene in a limo where the, the senator's men have a briefcase filled to the brim with C4. C4 is just oozing out of this thing. <laughs> yeah, they don't even notice it. There's a scene where the limo gets away and Bruce Willis is 600 feet in the air above them. Mm-hmm. The limo is going 800 miles an hour. Yep. He's got a teeny tiny handgun. The limo is loaded with C4. To the brim with C4. And Bruce Willis has a handgun. At this point, we know Bruce Willis is a convicted alcoholic in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's convicted by a jury of his peers. Peers, yeah. He pulls his gun out and he shoots one shot and he blows out the tires from above. Not from the side, from above. Yep. He's a crack shot. He was in Secret Service. Yeah, okay. She's like Denzel Washington and Man on Fire. Do you remember when Miles told us that it's almost impossible to shoot out a moving tires car 
car. And that's even if it's driving like in a circle around you. It's hard to do. If Bruce Willis was going to take this risk of shooting at a car with C4, why didn't he just crash his car into the limo to stop it? That's perfect. Well done. Yeah. Case closed. <laughs> so they inevitably end up at a football arena where the LA football team's playing. So crisis averted. The senator's not going to get killed by the C4 anymore. But uh, it turns out that this guy Milo, one of the bad guys, he has a sniper rifle and he's going to be there and he's going to shoot the senator dead. So Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans, they get they get grabbed by some of the goons. They're up in the owner's suite and there's all this back and forth about money and this and that. And I just don't care. Yeah, I don't care at all. The scene goes on forever. Damon Wayans has something in his pocket that's called a shredder. He says that the DEA used these to blow open doors. Mm-hmm. Now I have an open question to Miles, our resident weapons expert. What are these things? Are they real? And if you throw them into a fireplace, will they explode as if they were C4? Because that's what happened. So after they get out of that jam, they got to go stop the assassin who's who's up in the, the lights of the stadium. And he's going to shoot the senator who's in his, the senator's box. So Bruce Willis goes after him. He tells Sam Williams, make a scene. Sam Williams, he goes on the field. He gets on a horse and starts running around the football stadium on the horse. This is ludicrous. As Bruce Willis, he makes his way up there. He's he's about to get to the sniper, but he's probably not going to make it in time. So Damon Wayans grabs a football while sitting atop a horse. Yes. And throws the football 100, 200, 300 yards up into the luxury box section of the arena and hits the senator in the face. Look, no one in the world could throw a football that accurate sitting on a horse. You need to be grounded. That's how you throw a football. You use the ground. Yes. They generate the force to pivot. To throw it. You can't do that from a horse. Could rookie of the year do it? No. That's right. I said I no. Just think about this. No. I, yeah. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'm putting it down. No. Well, anyway, Bruce Willis is fighting the villain. Blah, blah, blah. He beats him. He throws him off the football stadium. And the guy falls to his death and lands in a helicopter's propeller blades and he explodes. And people start cheering. Okay. That's the last Boy Scout. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Tepid action fair, but it signals flashes of things to come from Willis and Waynes. Phil Villarreal, Arizona Daily Star. Want to feel like a used rubber? Then fire this turkey up. <laughs> Rob Vaux, Flipside Movie Emporium. Can That's one of the harshest <laughs> critiques I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, Kevin, if you thought that review was bad. And finally, this movie is the filmic equivalent of a hate crime. <laughs> Desson Thomas, Washington Post. That okay, seems harsh. Okay, Kevin, this movie currently holds a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, but is it really that bad? This is pretty bad. I'm gonna give it a 2 out of 5. It just wasn't very good. There's so many better options available if you want this type of movie. Pick a Die Hard, any Die Hard, and you'll be in better shape than this. The acting was terrible. The story is atrocious. It's just so complicated needlessly. And it didn't a day. It was like, it was over some football game gambling in six million dollars like things are are kind of ridiculous i mean yes that bad rolls in six million every day (laughs) yeah that's my per diem (laughs) (laughs) so yeah this was really disappointing and i really had no expectations going into this either so it wasn't like i was looking forward to a you know real good action movie i didn't know what to expect i didn't even know what this movie was so this isn't even a, a matter of my expectations not being met it's just not a good movie okay yes, for me it's really that bad Hmm. I want to give this movie the lightest three out of five that's humanly possible. Like a 2.5 right on the cusp. Because, yeah, the last half sucks, but it made me laugh. It made me laugh genuinely a couple times. That's so much more than I can say for the vast majority of things we watch on this show. Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Like, you compare this to other movies we've seen, and it's it's a movie <laughs> that don't seem like they should be. Yeah, I don't know. I'll bump this up to a four. If you tell Tell me what the guy in, with the gun in the beginning had to do with the movie. <laughs> if I can solve that one mystery? Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Maybe I'll come back to that. <laughs> I'll think about it. Not too hard, though. <laughs> All right, whatever. Let's read some listener mail. We got a surprising amount of emails this week, so I'm going to have to skim through them. It's already like six in the morning. (laughs) We've been recording all night after dark. 
Mark. Okay, Sean writes in and says he wants to talk about the last Boy Scout. There's a moment where this generic bad guy shoots and keeps firing his Taurus Judge machine gun, firing 100,000 bullets at Matt Damon Waynes, and in the pan shot shows the front windshield is shot out. When the scene changes into the close-up of Matt Damon Waynes diving out of the car, the glass is back. Just curious if you guys caught that or had a moment where, wait, what just happened? I think I had that a few times during this movie. Well, he also asks, one more question for the road. If you guys could burn one movie from existence, curious what it would be. I don't know that I'd want to do that. I mean, every movie has a fan somewhere, right? That's true. I wouldn't want to do that to anybody else. I'm not mean. Dogtooth? You might talk me into that. (laughs) Adam writes in and says, wants to talk about old boy. Let's see. He wants to correct my pronunciations of the names of everybody. All right, ready, Kevin? Okay. The R in surname Park is silent. Thus, the Park in Park Chan-wook is pronounced Pak Chan-wook. Old boy lead Choi Min-sik's name is no less difficult. While the Chinese pronounce Choi as it sounds, Koreans actually say it Che. And while there is no H in Sik, there is one in the pronunciation. Thus, the actor's name sounds like Che Min-sik. Next time, we'll tackle the U's and how they're romanticized to E-O, E-U, and Oo for the Korean language's three different pronunciations of the letter U. Whew, that sounds really difficult to keep track of. That sounds like a lot of work. Phil writes in and says, I have eaten both live octopus and live squid. The squid is almost always sliced into pieces before being served, but the tentacles are still flailing around the whole time and changing colors. Hmm. Can would you eat that? No, I have a personal policy of not eating something I've used as bait to catch something else because it just creeps me out and I've used squid as bait. So seeing it slimy squid put on a hook, it kind of ruins it for me. Although I'll eat some fried calamari. You want to eat a worm? <laughs> As for the weird sex stuff, I think a huge amount is being lost in translation. Girls are supposed to be demure, so girls who openly say yes to sex are seen as kind of whorish. I think that whole no means maybe stuff going on is unfortunately a sign that Korea still has far to go on the feminism front. Hmm. Oh, there you go. By the way, old boy, that's a forward vibe. Yeah? What's your take? Quick. Great acting, great story, and amazing ending that comes out of nowhere and just blows you away. I mean, the only comparison I have is like The Mist for that. Okay, we got an international listener checking in, Kevin. Beautiful. Z writes in from Abuya, Nigeria. Cool. I've been really intrigued with the listeners' attempts to guess what you guys look like. I think Kevin sounds like a Jay Baruchel type, but with brown hair and that ridiculous laughter. Each time I hear Kevin laugh, I think my heart skips a beat. I love it. Martin's voice just provides an image of a total beefcake with lips. And as for Joel, you are the most difficult to read for me. Sometimes I I think you're a Keanu dude type. And other times, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt in 500 Days of Summer. Am I close? Ho-ho! <laughs> I'll take it! JGL? Take that, Kevin. You can be Jay Baruchel. And finally, I have a question for Kevin. Ever since I heard you were a football fan, I've been wondering what leagues you follow and what teams you support. I primarily follow the British Premier League and Arsenal. But I will watch almost any soccer if it's on. I'm really bummed because I don't get any Spanish league soccer here. And I would love to to watch Lionel Messi all the time because he's greatest soccer player on the planet right now, if not ever. So I'm kind of bummed I don't get to see him more, but um, I'll watch just about anything. Tim writes in and says, when will we get to hear about the cowboy hatted man? Someday soon, I imagine. Tim, keep an eye out. It's coming. Come, what were we doing like an hour ago? We were recording an after. Dark. Where we got into the nitty gritty details. Bob writes in and says, and this is an interesting email, Kevin. Hi, podcast peeps. Having produced several marginal films over the years, I wanted the 2010 Cougar Hunting to get the yes that bad once over. Laura Flynn Boyle and Vanessa Angel headlined this tale of three young boys chasing tail in Aspen while Matt Prokop of Disney fame falls in love with a non-cougar gal. Who does the producer have to pay to hear your thoughts? Great show. Awesome chemistry from Bob. So I looked it up. This guy actually did produce this movie and he worked on like Freddy vs. Jason. Cool. What do you think, Kevin? I would be happy to review the movie when we have an opening in the schedule. <laughs> I, if we did that, we would need to have this guy talk to us, right? Absolutely. So that's the only requirement, Bob. Like if we were reviewed your movie, you'd have to be a part of it somehow. Yeah. And the story. For sure. Some insider info. Oh, yeah. For when we have all our crazy questions of why 
the football player shoots other players <laughs> at the beginning of the movie? Why did Laura Flynn Boyle shoot that football player to the Super Bowl? Okay, Nate writes in, Hey, Kevin, Jessica Beale was nude in powder blue. The bro code runs deep. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Okay. It's good advice, right? Good info. That's true. Can't argue that. All right, Kevin, my throat hurts, so I want you to read this. We got some poetry here sent in by Robert. Robert. It was the night before Friday, and all through Joel's house slash apartment was the sound of Kevin crying, like the weak, weak, weak man he is. For only a true weak man cries a ten kajabillion tears (laughs) for the blood of his father. At least, that's what... (laughs) At least, that's what Saw taught me. And while Kevin was crying, Joel was shaving for the 15th time that day. After the paramedics revived Joel from blood loss, he plugged in his Nintendo 64 to play a game of Goldeneye. And who would walk in just as Joel turns it on? No one but Martin! That freaking rat bastard. Joel, my good old buddy, old pal. Is that a game of Goldeneye I see? How about I join you? We can play with glee. Fine, says Joel angrily. He hits start and just like becomes a gamer. But nonetheless, Martin would use the only technique he knew, crouching and sliding and make it wildly impossible to hit him. So angrily, Joel kicks Martin out of living quarters. This is, is this supposed to be like a rhyme? <laughs> I only read poetry in iambic <laughs> Angry, defeated, Joel goes to check the remaining items of the day. All of it's done, but something seems wrong. What could it be? First, there was Kevin, that weak, weak man. <laughs> Then the EMS. Then that dirtbag Martin and his crouching ways. <laughs> what could be missing? Tomorrow is only Friday. The movie. Quick as a flash, fast as lightning, Joel gets on Netflix instant to find that horrible show. But wait, could it be? Has Netflix betrayed me? Well, Kevin, Martin, I hate to do it. I really do. But but next week, it will be only you two. Another Tim writes in and says, Hi, guys. As a longtime listener, I felt it was time to let the world know exactly what goes on when you guys record an episode of Yes, That Bad. After dark. I imagine you all kicking back, loosening your ties, and pouring a brandy after a long day of moving and grooving at the Yes, that Bad World headquarters. After all, power broking and cavorting with the upper crust, the echelon of society, really takes it out of you. As the sun sets, you all snuggle up in the Yeah, It's That Bed and hit record. <laughs> I have attached my drawing of how I envision it. Let me know if it's close. Did you see it? I did. Yeah, that's um, that's strangely accurate. <laughs> yeah, wildly so. I especially like the extremely phallic and suggestive hand gestures that are going on with the mic. Uh-huh. That's pretty much what happens. That's pretty accurate, yeah. too. Jordan writes in and says, Dear gang, I've been a listener since episode one of the show, and I love everything you do. Being a gun guy myself, I would like to announce that I lately have been in disagreement with your official, yeah, it's that bad weapons expert, and I would like to set him straight on his comments towards the Taurus judge. Miles, you made the conclusion that the Taurus judge is a ridiculous weapon and unworthy of protecting someone's life because you shot a target that was 20 feet away with birdshot. Okay, there are a couple of big things wrong with what you said. First one, you use birdshot. There is a reason why birdshot is called birdshot. It was meant for shooting birds, not bad guys. Ballistic gel tests have concluded that birdshot does not have the proper penetration capabilities in order to reach vital organs and cause death to the intended target. Birdshot is also intended to spread in order to more easily hit flying birds and will especially spread very quickly if it is shot out of a short barrel, such as a revolver. My other problem with your test is that you are 20 feet away. Criminologists have concluded that over 90% of all firearm defense encounters take place at a distance of 10 feet or closer. Think about it. If you encounter a bad guy in your home, on the street, in a liquor store, or by your car's window, how far are they really? It's going to be about 10 feet or closer. So my point is, it was really unrealistic and unpractical to shoot at a distance of 20 feet. And he goes on and on like this. So Miles, essentially what he's saying is, come at me, bro. What say you, Miles? What do you think, Kevin? I don't know anything about guns, so I don't know who's right here. As far as I'm concerned, Miles is the world's foremost expert on handguns. I assume the United States government goes to him for... Advice, right? Yeah, absolutely. If Miles says something about this, I believe it. No questions asked. So... Co-signed. Looking forward to the response to this. Okay, that's pretty much it. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. 
Well done. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. And <laughs> whoops, I did a little faux pas last week when I said that we were going to be doing I Saw the Devil this week. Well, this is what happens when I leave you two to, to play without me. Yeah, look at that. What a disaster. The walls of Yes That Bad headquarters were crumbling in upon themselves <laughs> after that faux pas. But Kevin, what's next week's movie? I Saw Devil. Yeah, we're going to be watching the Korean classic, I Saw the Devil. Supposedly, this movie is going to be really difficult to sit through, as in, like, it's super violent. I've never heard of this movie before. So if you love super violence, this is the movie for you. Tune in next week when we'll be watching I Saw the Devil. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bad. You can follow the show on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. You can follow Marta Yeah It's Marta. You can follow Kevin Yeah It's Kev. And you can listen to the show and all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. Oh yeah, that's right. You did do that. <laughs> so this car, it explodes. Wait, wait. Joel's taking a piss in the background. You're wondering what that noise is.